seek above all for a game worth playing. Oh baby, it's witchcraft contagious, I've felt it for ages, we're out of these cages, in this house of mages, it's witchcraft, it's dangerous, Welcome to this episode of Make Yoga Magic Again, the House of Mages podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Irulian Cumming. I am a mischievous mage, a lover of wisdom, a seeker of mysteries, and a ritual embodiment yoga teacher trainer, amongst a myriad of many other weird and wonderful things. In this episode, I chat once again with the dark wizard and the founder of the Esoteric Entrepreneur Academy, Dane Thomas. I've introduced Dane in a much more in-depth way in the previous episode we recorded together. So if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend going and giving it a listen sometime. I've linked it in the show notes. For now, we're gonna get straight into the conversation. So back by popular demand, I have the wizard Dane Thomas with me today. How are you, brother? Hey, man. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on again. So there's a whole bunch of things that I want to chat to you today about. Um, So I'll try to knock them all out in like a succinct kind of order. But I thought I'd get straight to it. So the first thing I wanted to talk to you about is this idea of like a history of lineage kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. see that much in a lot of the new age community and these people with <laughs> modalities and stuff. And that was actually something I noticed like early on uh, because I love unpacking systems. And so when I got into magic, I actually was researching all these different like histories, like PhD based books on history of magic before I even tried anything and started dabbling with it. And so when I first read uh, Clear Your Shit, um, your book, those uh, like introducing to the spiral, I loved that you actually offered all the things that influence you in creating that and basically like, hey, this is how I created it. Feel free to like, and so I got all the other books and like kind of, I like tracing the lines, you know what I mean? And I actually don't see that much happening at all. In fact, I see the opposite in that instead of people saying, oh, I like did the training with this, who got influenced by this, got influenced by this. They're like, I just downloaded this. From, 100%. you know, I went to Egypt and I just got a download and now I just created this modality. It's like, okay, but like, you know, you must have got influence from somewhere. So yeah, I really, yeah, had a lot of respect for you for, for doing that. And it definitely kind of, uh, satiated my mad scientists, like kind of wanting to unravel things. So yeah, I'd love to just chat to like, why do you think that is? Do you think people that don't want to admit that they've taken it from other things that they don't realize that's what's happening or, yeah, just whatever your point of view on that is, man. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I, I've i had a few people teach me that, that that the way, the classy way is to attribute where you got things from, you know, and I studied comparative religion at university. Um, I came up through hip-hop and hip-hop culture. 
Um, and even when I got into marketing, my early marketing mentors were like, you know, it's classy to attribute where you got things from. We all get things from places and it doesn't make you look dumb, makes you look smarter if you say, my teacher, blah, 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 taught me this. Or my friend, blah, 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 taught me this. Or such and such in 1950 created this or whatever, you know. And I think maybe people weren't taught that that's the classy thing to do, you know. Um, you know, in, in hip-hop culture, there's this idea of you you don't buy it. You don't just steal shit, right? You you borrow and you integrate it, but you give a nod to where you got it from. And it's, it's very kind of in sort of 1970s and early 80s New York hip-hop culture, they called it biting. Mm. And I got someone who explained to me, it's like, you know, someone who just takes a bite out of the apple and they don't really acknowledge the whole thing. They don't really explain that this is part of a rich tradition or you know and i meet people all the fucking time and i mean people who come off my work people who've done lots of other things and it's like yeah i just had like you said i have a download i channeled this thing it's like yeah you did channel this thing but i trained nlp with you back in blah 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 and i and i was in the room when you were a newbie it was such and it's like okay um i don't know i think it's kind of maybe an ego thing People want to look better than they are. They think maybe it's they're, they're going to look um, less knowledgeable or less significant if they if they attribute. Um, and I and I mean it's happened throughout history, right? Like it's like you know, I, I love Crowley, you know, but it's like oh, you got this from here, you got that from there, and him being him, it's like I have created this, you know. It's yeah. like well, we found the books, you know. We know, and this is you know, I remember Abraham Hicks. I remember hanging out with John Martini and asking him stuff. And he's like, well, let me just tell you this, you know, Esther and Abraham Hicks, I've met them. I've been around in their house. They have a big, massive library. That is nothing that Abraham is channeling that you couldn't find in that library, yeah. you know? And it's like, it's very common. Um, I think it is classy to give attribution for where you get your threads. And yeah, one of my interests, exactly like you said, is I've created a new modality, which is a synthesis I can't teach you chakras, kinesiology, Chinese medicine, NLP, Jungian psychology in this little book, right? Mm. All these things are deep, rich modalities unto themselves. So if I want people to get good at the stuff I'm doing, I would prefer if they went and did research and deepen their roots in these many different threads. So that's, yeah. that's my take on it. Yeah, and it's interesting that you um, mentioned hip hop because I see this like both in like occultism and in in hip hop, like in a similar way that a lot of like the mumble rap now, it's not giving credence to like the original like hip hop and stuff. There's like almost this divide with like the the new school kind of mumble rappers type of thing, and then they're like the old school boom bap kind of New York hip hop like lyricism. And yeah, I saw an interview once where this one of the newer rappers was saying, no, no, I'm, I've created like a whole new style. I, I'm not influenced by any of that at all. And then they actually took some of his like lyrics and some of his styles like, okay, well, this is, you obviously got this from that and this round. He's like, oh, well, yeah, I listened to those, but like I didn't, you know, people don't really want to admit or don't even realize that we're being influenced. They don't realize, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, nothing is created in a vacuum, right? Like yeah. you, you, you get any piece of art, any piece of work, I, I'm I'm often more interested in the life of an artist than their actual art. You know, not nine out of ten. There's many people I find that their life journey is interesting to me, um, and I their art or their music is okay. But when I learn about who they are, I'm like, ah, oh, this explains so much. Like the context of where someone grew up, what they had to overcome. Mm -hmm. You know, the prevailing values in their formative era, all that. 
it just tells you so much about where they're coming from. And I think that's, that's the key is context is, is just everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think hip hop again is a good example. Cause it's like very sample based, like the sample, like hip hop is like a mishmash of all the different genres is like, a, it's like a center point where you can have like jazzy hip hop or like classical piano hip hop or, you know, like heavy metal hip hop. And yeah. you know, r- the real like hip hop heads that, you know, do it in, I guess, what we would consider the right way or the respectful way are saying, okay, yeah, I, I sampled from this and they, and they're referencing, like, it's this constant sharing of like ancestry in a way. It's kind of like being like, you know, people that, yeah, might've made like a, a disco track, like 50 years ago, they've like sampled yeah. the loop, but then they're kind of uh, reinvigorating the old as well, rather than just stealing it and saying, oh, I made this from scratch. If that makes sense. Absolutely. But, you know, I grew up in that culture and in, in my twenties and a lot of rappers and producers and DJs around me, as they got older, they become funk and soul aficionados, you know, and they really start to know their shit. And it's, it's a bit similar to me of like, I started with all kinds of new age things and followed the thread and found myself in the kind of Western esoteric tradition. And it's like, okay, so this owes a big chunk to Judaism and this owes a big chunk to ancient Egyptian mysticism. And it's like, Oh, everything came from somewhere else, you know? Yeah. And I find that in like occultism versus new age thinking where, you know, you get a new age book, it's often talking about how they had this experience and downloaded this and it's this like new modality. But then you look at like what I would consider like a, an authentic occult book and the the reading list at the end is like pages and pages and pages yeah. of references of like and so it's just like a never ending you know like tree or roots right like I'd get one author that I like and then I'd find what influenced him and then I just before I know it I was, I would just be ordering all these different books from different authors yeah. and just and it goes back through the years you can see like you know like you know Jung influenced this and and this was expanded from that and yeah yeah. But I just don't see that as much in the new age. I think it's the commercialization factor. So the, the new age is basically mumble rap in the analogy, right? Like it's like, <laughs> oh, look, I created this thing. It's my own breathwork mixed with this. And it's like, it is a new thing. It's really cool. But there were people doing shit like this hundreds, if not thousands of years ago. And I think it is, it is nice to maintain an awareness of, of that stuff. And what I love about the new age and what I love about the era we're in is we're not locked into lineage and tradition because I'm really not a traditional person. Like mm. I, I'm a person who wants to mix and match and develop things that suit me and I dabble with this and dabble with that and try this and try that and, and I find my own way and I try to understand some of the principles of what I'm tinkering with before I do that but I by no means have mastered, you know, to create the spiral, I did not master Chinese five element theory. You know, I had a, had a basic kinesiology student level grasp and lots of other pieces that are in there. It's like, yeah, I, I know what this is at a, you know, I'm a, I'm a blue belt, but I'm not a black belt. And it's like to yeah. borrow from those places. Um, I don't know why I have to use jujitsu metaphors for everything, but like, you know, it's a, it's, it's a thing of like, you know, you could be a great MMA fighter who's an average wrestler, pretty good boxer, intermediate jiu-jitsu fighter but your combination is what's going to make you stand out you know yeah definitely yeah well while we're on that because like uh it kind of segues into another topic that i wanted to talk about in that um also i find so you know over the years 
a lot of the new age uh, community have kind of defaulted back to whatever religion they've uh, grown up with and all that sort of stuff. And I like Christians, (laughs) Christianity. (laughs) Yeah. And so I feel like I have a theory of why that is. And I love to hear yours as well. And there's also like how I was going to explain it kind of ties into martial arts metaphors and stuff as well in that, I think the new age belief system is a, because it's like um like a, and not like a organized mismatch like hermetic magic right that's like a, a systemized you know everything's got its place whereas like new age is like this just yeah kind of soup thrown together and it doesn't actually have a structure where everything's hanging on and so when people are in this uh intense uh situation like they default to whatever their like default system is like martial arts wise wise right you can tell if someone's actually ingrained the martial arts system in their body if they're in a stressful situation they have to they have to instinctual and if they you know if you like straight away like you're like yeah hey, i've been like practicing martial arts all this time blah blah boom and in the situation like their fight or flight just goes into like a ball or something like that obviously you haven't ingrained or installed that in your system um an, ex- an example is uh it was either in the Viking show or Last Kingdom. It's kind of run together in some instances for me. Um, but one of the uh, Christians was on a ship with all the Vikings and apparently he converted to, uh, you know, to, to the gods, to Thor and Odin and stuff like that. And they're in a, this big storm and, like, he thought he was going to die and he's like, Lord God, help me. And, like, all the other – and then the storm stopped and all the, like, you know, the um, Vikings were looking at him and be like, what did you just say, motherfucker? Like, sort of thing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a good example that, like, you know, we can he can say all he wanted that he converted, but deep down, when he's in that stressful situation and he thought he was going to die, um, he instinctually pulls out whatever his default system is. And so I think, even though the New Ages say they're past Christianity, all that sort of stuff, yes. if they have a plant medicine journey and like there's, a, you know, all their shit comes up, if they have a traumatic experience, if they, you know, like go into survival mode regardless of what they say they they go to that default belief system um so i know that was a lot of like stuff but does that make sense and yeah Yeah. hear your say on that yeah well i think so i studied buddhism in my early 20s at university i studied comparative religion with an eastern religion emphasis right that was where i I just picked Eastern religion units and a few shamanic units and a few other bits and pieces, but most as much Eastern philosophy stuff as I could do. I remember reading a Buddhist book in my, towards the end of my second year. And it was, you know, things were getting heavier and deeper and it was more about the metaphysics of how like karma functions and how like, you know, when we die, there's these different layers of aggregated stuff and they kind of gradually kind of peel apart and like, you know, basically a, a being is just layers of aggregates was kind of the language, you know, and it it was only just starting. I'm like, hang on a minute. There's no soul in here and there's no God in this system. And, mm-hmm. and I, and I only then realized that I had been looking at this whole thing for say a year and a half to two years of, you know, Buddhism, Buddhism, I'm meditating, I'm reading books and whatever with, with sort of an operating assumption that, of course, somewhere in the background there is some being that is judging what's right or wrong and is going to, you know, um, even though we're operating with karma, there must be some being that dishes out the karma, right? Mm. And it's almost – and then at a certain point I was like, hang on, no. There's fucking nothing. And it was like – like I was sitting in the library at University of Queensland and I was like, Fuck. Because it was the the moment where my own conditioning was actually revealed that 
I had been studying for two years with a pre-existing good, evil, right, wrong, Western Christian bias. And I wasn't raised heavily Christian, but it just as a backdrop, you know? And so that was the first glint, like, oh, I am operating from a Western Christian framework to begin with. And for me, what I think it is, is that, you know, say someone's doing back on a magical pathway or even, even to do new age cleanly, ideally there would be a, a journey of deprogramming and deconstruction, you know, but what we'll often find is you can hang out in the, in the state of tantra community and behind what everyone is practicing, they're doing their practices, they're doing their thing. There is still a sort of Christianity light operating in the background that is sort of, um, determining how people value things, what they think is right or wrong, or which is, is not, I'm not saying it's even good or bad, mm. but if you, were, if you were genuinely committing to that path, it would be important to know that you have a pre-existing cultural bias, you know? And to go back to the martial arts thing, I used to train Kung Fu, right? And someone, someone will come and let's say they come from a Muay Thai background and their stance would be all fucked. And no matter how many times they would try, they'd be going back to bouncing around and the seafood would be like, we don't stand like that. We do this. And it's like, yeah, that guy's trained for three years. He's got the Muay Thai habits. Mm. It, it's going to be a long time before his default becomes the new thing. In, and it, only if he really wants that and really um, starts to get to the nitty gritty of, you know, like, like the Viking who's, well, this is a think we should know that. And I, this thing that you're aiming about the new age doesn't really come with a coherent operating system. So you have people who, you know, they're mixing law of attraction with kind of Amazonian and North American shamanic teachings with Eastern Buddhist and Hindu philosophy, and maybe a dash of kind of European Wicca light and some cacao or whatever. And it's like, okay, so these things all have different operating assumptions. Like they, they're not, they don't have the same cosmology. They don't have the same principles and the same rules. So essentially what you've got is someone with a, a very fractured um, way of interpreting the world. And I think unless they get some sort of meta frame that brings it all together and makes it make sense, they're actually going to have a bad time in life because they're not going to uh, have a coherent framework to make sense of, significant life events mm. um, to, just to deal with their journey, you know, because they're now operating on a, on a confused sort of system. So I think that is, that is one of the biggest problems with the new age is it's not really one thing. Well, it's interesting. Cause like they, I think the thing with the new age and stuff is that cause I've tried to introduce or offer people like a framework to, or try to find a framework. And I hear the same thing is like, oh, I don't really follow any particular kind of system or religion. I just kind of take what works for me. And back to the martial arts thing, I remember chatting to a friend of mine years ago who was like doing mixed martial arts. And I was like, oh, so what like main system do you use? Like, is it more Thai? He's like, oh no, it's like a mix of different things. I was like, yeah, but like more Thai is probably like your main standing. And then, you know, jujitsu is like, you know, as soon as you go to the ground, he's like, no, no, it's a mix of different things. And so I went to, he's like, and trained with him a little bit. And like, I'm not an expert, but I, I've, I've, you know, experimented with a lot of different styles and looked into the background of them. And yeah, like his initial framework was essentially Muay Thai stance when he's standing, 
and then like as soon as he goes to the ground it's a jujitsu game right and then he's mixed in some other little bits and pieces that he learned from boxing and stuff along the way but his framework is still standing muay thai ground jujitsu like but he didn't realize he had a system right and like a lot of people don't realize that even if they're doing new age they're putting it on their old you know rusty christian yeah of things you don't, want, you don't want to do bad stuff you're going to go to hell what did i say that yeah you did you you still think what they told you in church school and in you know primary school that's that's been gone in there and i remember um another incident earlier than the, the buddhism one where i moved in with a guy who was a card carrying stuff that now to me seems cool but at the time was really you know it was like enochian magic uh and super into like dark imagery and Geiger. I was like 16, you know, he was so super into his kind of like demonic imagery and ceremonial magic, things that I now am very familiar, very comfortable with. I remember pulling books off his bookshelves and being like, you know, it's got some goat head or whatever. And I'm like, if, if I, if I read this is like my, my soul at risk. And it was like, Oh, I, and I didn't know at the time, but looking a few years later, I was like, Oh, I'm conditioned. I'm conditioned that that, color scheme with that imagery means evil you know and it's like it's like people when they see a pentagram they've only maybe seen it in horror movies and they have to kind of de um deprogram what they were first trained that means what that means is it means not a cross is what it means for most people it's the other guy you know and then they have to go like actually this is the people who were like nature worship oh oh okay right that's i didn't know that and that's a journey and i think I mean, this is true of everything. I think um, it's true of my entrepreneurial philosophy and it's true of my magical and manifestation philosophy is your, your kind of deprogramming work, your cleanup work is really going to set the scene for how successful you are once you start getting further into trying to produce a result because if there's unconscious frameworks in the way, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I guess my next question would be what, because uh, for instance, in the, the classical tantric model model that I mainly teach and, and work from, it's kind of like, they call it the koshas, but it's like the six layers of self kind of thing. So you've got like, you know, the physical layer, um, mind, emotions, then you've got the kind of prana subconscious layer, then you've got the void layer, and then you've got just in the midst of that, it's just awareness. And so it's interesting because I came from a very ceremonial magic background, which is all about, you know, reinforcing the higher self to almost like, you know, carry it on to multiple lifetimes. And then on the Eastern side, it's kind of saying the opposite of that. It's like, actually, no, your most core self is, is like not unique. Like your ultimate core self is the same thing that everything shares and that's just consciousness or awareness. And so it's, it's been difficult for me to kind of, uh, coalesce or remedy like the two conflicting views like because you got magic ceremonial magic which is all very like yeah immortalize the self and then whereas like yeah eastern traditions like well there is no self kind of thing so it's like i love to because you've delved into both of them as well like what your current model is like how to effectively unravel stuff and like you know realize that it's all just a game but then how do you choose what game you want to build again and what structure you want to build from and like what yeah, just <laughs> just a little question. Such a great question, you know. It's really cool to even be asked that. So that's this is shit that I've worked with probably well, for years. But I came across 
uh, a model through ISTA and through Bruce Lyon's work, which really helped me to reconcile East and West, which when I followed the roots of his ideas really comes out of the Theosophical Society, the Trans-Himalayan tradition, um, and, and that kind of thread, which a lot of people, theosophies can kind of, some people don't like it or whatever. And I, I, I got into it really quite young, but I, I got, kind of got brought back to it. But this, this idea of a threefold stealth is something that they, they name it a different, depending on the lineage, where you get it from, they, they name it different things, right? But um, yeah, Alice Bailey. You go into yeah. it a bit more because you did mention it last time, but I, I actually tried to find info on, on it and I found like a lot of his stuff, but there's not really anywhere which breaks down the system. It's it's not cleanly. I feel like I'm going to build some pieces around this the way I, I work with it. But basically, we can think of the self and in, in, in on, on the most expanded idea of the self, we can think of it on three layers. So let's call it, um, the body mind or the, you know, the personal self. So that Dane Thomas nervous system, ego, body mind. Great. And then we can move up to the soul, which would be the close to immortal divine aspect of the self, but that still has, uh, an element of, it's still differentiated from oneness, right? So, let's call that the soul, the, the spark of the divine that is still a separate spark, but knows on some level that it's the divine, but it has its own. And then we've got the monadic level of the self, the one, right? So we could call it the personality, the soul, and the spirit would be one way to frame it. Those three have really given me a way of reconciling and, and integrating a lot of this stuff because someone could throw you any piece of anything. Okay. We're going to do Tony Roberts. Great. That's body mind stuff. That's self-actualization. That's making Dane Thomas a more confident, more contributing, more effective member of society. Who's going to get his goals, Matt. Great. Uh, what about past life work or, um, yeah. What about something like that? Well, that will be transpersonal soul level work. That would be on the part of me that is not locked into this body in this lifetime that has been existing for a long time. Great. What about um, dissolving into the void or like Eckhart Tolle being in the beingness and realizing or Ramana Mahashi, there is no self. Well, that is void. That is monadic. That is, that is working directly with spirit or directly with life force. And we can, the, the categorization gets tricky because different people use different labels, but understanding that that is three different levels of looking at um, the work basically. And the Eastern traditions are very good at radical awakening stuff, you know, realizing right now that I'm all of it. And mm -hmm. in fact, the I is a construct. Oh my God, there's nothing. It's just is great. The Western traditions are a lot more sophisticated, typically at ev evolutionary awakening, you yeah. know, and some, some Eastern traditions as well. I shouldn't be, you know, we're lumping a lot of stuff together. So for those who know their shit, forgive me, I'm doing big generalizations, but this evolutionary awakening journey is more like, and, and, and say bringing like Ken Wilber integral sort of stuff into the mix. Okay. I've developed this part of myself. Maybe this happens. So the Western the Western esoteric traditions of initiation, like soul initiations, right? It's seen as a series of initiations you would go through potentially over multiple lives. Hmm. It's And so we've got radical awakening, boom, right now. 
We've got evolutionary awakening that is essentially a developmental ladder. That's two very different ways of looking at spiritual work, what we're trying to achieve, et cetera, et cetera. So that's helped me reconcile a lot of stuff um, in terms of, okay, this is soul work. This is this sort of, you know, this kind of ritual calling down more of who I am or even, even sort of uh, connecting with the Holy Guardian Angel, that kind of stuff. I sort of think of that as soul work in a, in a mm-hmm. very generalized sense. You know, it's not dissolving into the one. It's more developing what is but becoming more than a personality, right? So yeah. that's, that's, that's one map that's really been really helpful for me. But another, another thing is we have to basically pick what is the operating assumption of our journey. So I, I made an, a, an active transition from, even though I've spent the majority of my time with Eastern traditions, I, at the beginning of 2020, decided that magic would be the central framework that I would operate from. And that means that Tantra and Buddhist practice and anything else would would be in service of magic. It mm-hmm. wouldn't be the other way around. So basically dropped it. I am not trying to become liberated. That's not my aim. I've dropped any aim of like, oh, one day I'll be enlightened. It's like I don't – I'm not using that operating system. Mm-hmm. And so – and I'm more operating from a, my take on a magical frame, which is I'm the micro of the macro – and my goals, as it were, is to manifest and experience the life that I want to have. That's, yep. that's the low, lower side of it and the higher side. Is it, and to realize myself as God, as cosmos, as we go along. But, yep. but not necessarily with a, oh, and there'll be a certain state when I go, bing, I'm there. Like, I'm not really holding that. And so, I've sort of centralized the magical framework as the, as the, the main one. And then that means that sort of tantric practice and so on is almost the fuel for this, for this journey. You know, it's almost like Kundalini sort of work and all that is, is the, is awakening the energetic force that I'm using to, to anchor this bridge between spirit and matter, which again, this idea that soul is the bridge between the spirit and the matter. So that, which is not present for the most part in the Eastern sort of frame is that, okay, so if I mature the soul, it's the bit that can bridge between the little person and the infinite. And so that's kind of a snapshot into how I yeah, cool. make sense of the whole thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, that threefold system sounds like a, a like a simplified, um, like slightly different model of that one. But the way you see things is very similar to me because I guess, yeah, I feel like it's like, you know, in alchemy, it's like you dissolve something and then you create something new, right? I feel like the tantric stuff is like all about dissolving all the different layers until you just your awareness and you're like, oh, wow, I've been playing all these different games without realizing, but now I'm like in the void and I can create the game or I can choose what to play. So it's like, okay, do I want to choose these existing games or should I create something new? And I feel like the magical the path of magic is starting to add more layers, but consciously add it. Because I mean, the thing is like we start off as a kid, as a sponge, and then we're adding layers and layers and layers and layers. And so I think a lot of people that go into the new age world, they're just adding more and more layers. Yes, yes. And they be- end up like this cl- big clunky ball of like, you know, like uh, it's like you get the leftover Play-Doh and stuff on, on top and it's just like can't even roll straight because it's all like crooked. and 100%. Uh, it's like I'm a shaman now. It's like, yeah, but you, you never actually dealt with the kid who got bullied in grade mm-hmm. 10. So we've got him still there with a short-term career veneer and now you're the shaman and they're all kind of 
jarring against each other and limiting. And it's like, it's the, it's the solvay coagula thing. You know, it's like, you yeah. need, go, go do some more solvay and yeah. go and fucking clean up work, you know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's what I'm finding as well that like the, I guess the gap I see in like the classical tantric system is that once you get to that awareness, um, there's a bit of an aversion to recreate any kind of identity, uh, you know, like, and that's the thing as well. Like there's such a issue in that, like, we're essentially all householders. So we're, we're doing tantra without even realizing right. we're, we're all like influenced by renunciate based yoga. So we're influenced, yeah, influenced by renunciate based yoga. Even the sutras talks about like, which is like taught in every yoga teacher training. And like, he's actually talking about how the, the body is this like, disgusting horrible thing that you need to like you know separate from ignore and so there's a couple of things uh i think that leads into obviously your esoteric entrepreneurship type of um stuff that you're doing um where kind of trying to help the spiritual community to reconnect with wealth and uh you know all that sort of aspect because i think we've been ingrained both from christianity whereas like material bad spirit good give us all your money we'll take care of it for you so you can get into heaven um, and then the, yeah, renunciate-based yoga stuff. But also yeah. what you touched on earlier is that I'd love to chat about death with you in the way that, like, I think we can we can rebuild, you know, so, okay, I'll, I'll see if I can frame this properly. So I understand once we unwrap all the layers, right, and then we can start to build the life we want consciously and adding layers and personality and all that sort of stuff. But I think the only thing that we can never really truly know and it comes down to like the essence of spiritual work is how do we figure out or how do we get the best possible idea of what happens after death? And I think the East and West, whereas like the East seems to see rebirth as a punishment, whereas a lot of the West sees it as like a a beautiful thing. It's like, I love this place. I love this game. Like I want to come back, but I want to come back with a leveled up character and I want to come back uh, to a better world that I that I left it, and you know what I mean. So I want to build more here. I want to evolve myself because I want to keep coming back. I want to keep respawning to play the game. Whereas like the East and like kind of want to get out of that, and I'm seeing that more so that most people want to escape. Like everyone star sees now wanting to escape Earth. It's like I fucking right. like right. So yeah, yeah. So so I had a close friend die at the beginning of 2020. Um, and it, you know, there's the initial personal grief shock stuff, which was significant. Then as it kind of rippled through, it was me looking at my life and my framework of what I believe and where did my, you know, cause I'm dealing with like, fuck this guy, he's dead. And I could feel like almost, almost that, that blow almost revealed where a lot of my beliefs where the overlaps are like um, we're incongruent. We're not, we're not in um, integrity because it'd be like, I'd be half thinking about other realms one day. I'm like, Oh, maybe he's like here now, you know? And it was just like, hang on a minute. What I'm actually confronted with, if I'm deadly honest is I don't fucking know. Mm. And because I had quite a strong Buddhist absorb of like, Oh yeah. You know, reincarnation and it's like hang on hang on a minute and i got this real skeptical wave move through me of almost like all a whole bunch of beliefs just got made visual and i was like cool do i know that no 
would I, would I back that? Would I really hinge my life on that thing there as a truth? It's like, no, that's a piece of something that I absorbed when I was 21 that gave me a new frame and I kept it dear. But actually now that something real has happened, like this is actually a real spiritual initiation, I realize that 85% of the shit that I believe, I have no fucking idea whether that's true. It's just something that I took on because I did or out of comfort. And so what I started looking at, and, and I think this is where I like to be fucking as ruthless as possible because, you know, because something's 800 years old or whatever, we tend to go, oh, it's a holy teaching. Like what, why would these people, whether we're talking medieval Christians or classical tantrics or whatever, why would they be inspired to create these systems that, that have the biases in that they do? Well, for one, life is fucking hard. You know what I mean? They weren't. It, like it wasn't just a cruise. It wasn't just a good time. It wasn't like I'm just achieving my dreams and creating cool stuff. It was like had quite a lot of suffering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why, why does stoicism, you know, stoicism doesn't come out of California in the eighties. It comes out of like fucking rugged, mm-hmm. you know, Roman. And, you know, it comes out of like tough times and tough places. And like, I think this is one of the, cause I find classical tantra very clean and very, compatible with how I see the world, but I still think, yeah, it comes from a realm where people didn't have shit, you know, life was short, life was cruel. Um, Buddhism also, you know, like life is suffering. Even that, even that is a a central principle. It's like, Oh, that's your, that's the first observation. Like that's your first most important observation. You want to tell me is that this is suffering. Mm. You could look at it a hundred different other ways. You know, that is, that is not, and it's, it's almost, it almost feels taboo to say it's like that is not a fundamental truth of existence. It is an, assu- an operating assumption mm. and perhaps, a, perhaps an incredibly useful one, arguably, but not. And so what happened for me is like, okay, so all these fucking systems, which I have pedestaled to a degree, I love Tantra, I love Buddhism, I love such and such. They all have an inbuilt bias and they all have they all, they haven't come out of a vacuum. They've come from a specific culture in order to make sense of life within that culture, in order to help people evolve, people make meaning, etc. And I think that, well, what the death piece forced me to accept was, I don't know. Yeah. So let's, let's start there. And, and my goal is to, as much as I can, stay there. And so... Yeah, it's, I can, it's, you know, which yeah. is working with the mystery, right? With the mystery traditions, it's like, okay, the first thing is you don't know shit and I'm going to fucking beat you and put a bag on your head and you navigate through some maze and consume it. You're going to be incredibly disoriented to the point where you realize how confident are you of all that shit that you learned? It's like, actually, I am fucking nobody and I don't know shit. It's like, cool, that's a good start. Let's start there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because like, I, th- I feel like there's two main streams of like magic, whereas like, you know, you're focusing on uh, like in, in ta- classical tantra, they call it boda and boga. So like boga is like focusing on the material, like getting, doing well in the world. And then boda is like, kind of like related to the Buddha, kind of like being like completely liberated. But the thing is like, you know, you can, you can test how well you're doing in the world by, I guess, how happy you are, how, how much stuff you have, how successful you are, but how do you test if you're uh, if, like starting to immortalize your consciousness? Because what I what I re- realize, and I love to ask you the same thing, is 
that okay if i can rebirth because it makes sense that you know everything else is recycled and transformed in some way so it makes sense that consciousness is recycled in some way but what part is like what part continues right because if it's our memory like we don't think i don't think i'm going to take my memory because i don't remember anything from my current past life um is it like our personality but really if we unpack those layers like what is personality so it's like right you know i i've heard of the idea that we leave a shade behind so it's like basically up until the point that i die there's like an imprint of that daniel from this lifetime which i can tap back into but my actual core essence has like been moved on and recycled so um i guess for example with with your with your friend who who passed you could like contact a shade of him which would be him like it would be him up until that point where he passed but then like the core essence or consciousness of him would already be moving on to some other kind of idea and again these are these are i'm not saying that this is like reality i'm just yeah. saying kind of because that's the thing that people don't realize people talk about these stuff with such conviction but this yeah, is a model. like ask me in a year yeah. i might have a completely different so, idea so. like if someone close to you dies or whatever but he, so here's what here's where i come at with and this is not embedded in everyone's approach to magic but but mine is basically along like i'm primarily working with the here and now and aligning the here and now to my either to my desire, but also to my um, highest aspect of who I could be. Mm. So, so basically, what and I'm very selective of what frames and belief systems I basically to me like true spiritual practice would result in less belief systems, not more. You know, so like the less I have going on around stories of this or that, the more I'm actually. Uh, centered and at peace with what is, I would mark that as uh, spiritual success. You know, I'm here and I'm centered and I'm not attached to what's going on and I'm not, you know, and then material success is to me or magical material success is like how, how skillful am I at producing fulfillment in, in the realm of my life, you know? Um, so it's almost so I'm I'm constantly kind of typically working with two almost contradicting paths, but I also have a have a deep sense that they actually lead to each other. You know, like if you follow the desire path and you get all the shit that you want, you're actually going to burn through a lot of karma and work out like, ah, oh, I was just following that because of something unresolved, and now I've met that, and you know, like it's like the Jim Carrey path of like I got all the things, and now I'm semi awakening but I needed to become famous and achieve this and achieve that. And it's like, Oh, like he's kind of had a Eckhart Tolle path from, from success. Right. Yeah. And the other side is as we deepen that alignment with the cosmos, it gets easier to create what you want. Paradoxically, you want less anyway, but there is, you know, the, the more access to the non-dual that you have when you do deal with, 3D dual reality is very easy to navigate through because it's just not so much friction on you. So there's, to me, both parts actually can serve each other, but you know, as, as to the, like what happens after death and all that, you know, not only am I not worried about it, I actively kind of don't want to get involved with that shit because I see it as actually taking me out of what I'm, what I'm actually here to do. Um, and so when I hang around with spiritual people, who had just so much fucking content of like, well, this and that. And then you, 
you know, I had this taxi driver, the Uber driver telling me about his like ascension to the, um, but what to the Akashic records and through the angelic realms and the whatever. And I'm just at the end, I'm just like, cool. <laughs> you still drive a fucking Uber, you know, like yeah. y- your magic ain't that good. At least, at least not for me. It, that, like that was an impressive, rich story mm-hmm. of this awakening that he had and traveling through all these realms in like exquisite detail. But I'm like, mm, do I want them? Like, I don't care about that. I'm, I'm, here and now exactly where I mean to be. And that just actually, and it's, so he was sharing it like it was this big spiritual achievement. And I'm like, it kind of sounds like a detraction, a distraction from anything that I regard as like real or useful. And which is very specific to me. I understand I'm not writing that off of that. Someone's real, um, really what fulfills them. But for me, it's like, okay, you're hitting me with a lot of 5d fluff, you know, like it's, yeah, and that's the thing as well that, like, I liked that you, you were saying that, you like, getting more spiritual for you means, like, letting go of more identities and more attachment things. Um, and I find it's the opposite because people are, like, basing their entire business, their entire personality about being a reincarnated uh, Egyptian priestess or, you know, being, like, a Lemurian uh, princess, which, like, Lemuria... Yeah from Greece is actually like land of the lemurs, like kind of thing. It's like people don't research where these things are from. It's like, you know, like, you know, it's funny as well that, you know, you can actually trace the history of some of these ideas, but they've created this whole narrative, which I understand like is fine. But for example, I can be a rune mage, right? I can be a ceremonial magician and summon, you know, you know, demons and stuff, but like I can step inside those personalities when I need to. And then I step back and I'm Daniel, yeah. the guy who's just doing a podcast with, you know, Dane Thomas. Yeah. I don't, I, I have many different personas and avatars kind of thing. Whereas, yeah, like, even though I've had some experiences of like, I guess what could be deemed as like a, like a flashing back of my past life. I also know that I watched uh, Black Sails and Love Pirates. And, you know, I, it's, you know what I mean? It's like how so many people have so much conviction about these experiences, but People forget we grew up on like movies and all this sort of stuff. That's like hundred percent. And you know, it's not. It's not that I completely diminish the experience. You know, like I, I've had plenty of fascinating experiences, but I don't. I, I, like it was like so. And in this past life, I'm like, you know, you realize there's really no past life. Like if we were to get out of this dimension, it would be all unfolding like at the same time, right? You do understand that, so. I understand that for you, it's your past life, but, but also maybe that's just a resonance with something in the field. Like maybe that's just, you just got a snapshot of that because you did an ayahuasca journey or because we did the hypnosis or we, because you were lucid dreaming or whatever. We are very, uh, basically I, I prefer to bring a degree of pragmatism and sort of scientific thinking to all this stuff. Because if we don't do that, um, what happens is it just becomes a license to like make believe about everything. Yeah, everything's and, led by UPG. Yeah, and that's really uh, risky because you can just bullshit away your entire life, you know. And you know the Lemurian princess who's building her business around that. Again, nothing wrong with that, but where where is the personal transpersonal integration? Are you also just Margaret? You know, 
And what is Margaret like? And has Margaret got some unresolved shit that makes her really badly need to be a Lemurian princess? Because that's what I'm interested in. And that's what you can feel when you hang out with someone who's like, there's something fucking incongruent here. And it's like, yeah, she goes there to avoid dealing with the fact that she was raped or that she was bullied or that she had a boring life as an accountant for 15 years and then had this fucking thing. And it's like, I don't want to take it away from anyone, but I also, there is shit that is more anchored in the here and now that is like, how's your nervous system doing? Are there elements of your personality that you haven't really dealt with? Because those two levels are always related to each other. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And like, it's tricky because the more I learn, like start to understand the workings of magic and like the whole placebo, nocebo kind of thing, like the more that we can convince and play that role, the more it actually becomes real and like people respond in the way that yep. it is real. But I think it's, it's getting to the point where people like, especially in the, I guess in the spiritual business ecosystem, where the credibility is actually having that identity. And it's it's something that we don't see in like normal things. Like, for example, you know, you wouldn't get surgery by a surgeon who said that they were a surgeon for the past 20 lifetimes and they just downloaded, you know, surgery and be like, well, you know, I'm not taking that away from you, but can I get the old mate who's done 20 years in medical school instead because I'm not sure if I want to let you cut me open while I'm asleep. Whereas like in, in the spiritual realm, like, that it's much more credible. You know what I mean? Like, you know, someone who's done five years of practice in somatic therapy is probably going to get trumped by someone who has 2000 years of downloaded, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It and it, it depends who's doing the shopping. I think, I think there are plenty of people who are grounded and, and who are discerning moving through spiritual quote unquote spiritual journeys and stuff. And then there's people who are, um, naive or lost or just not grounded and that's again not to shame any particular stage of the journey but it's you know and it's funny that you pick an example of something like the surgeon which is very anchored to life and death so suddenly we get a little more practical mm. you know um but when it's like oh i want to journey to whatever it's like well there's no risk right it's, i'm not going to die if the lemurian channeler is bullshitting me or delusional nothing that bad's going to happen maybe i just waste 150 dollars or two thousand dollars or whatever you know but yeah i'm not going to fucking die on the table whereas when it comes to you know a airline pilot or a surgeon or someone you know fucking putting a new roof on your house it's like yeah i i need i want a track record because i don't want the roof of my house collapsing and when it's like well i'll read your palm it's like we'll have you know and, and this is and this is the risk of dealing with the insubstantial um, is it can people can switch off their discernment um, when they deal with that stuff. Mm. But it's tricky because I, I get it because like we want the show, you know what I mean? We, right. We, it doesn't matter right. how the deal is, we want the show as well to kind of um, and and that's the thing as well because it, it adds so much. You know, like I see magic sometimes and ritual as like putting on a show for myself. Like I could yeah. just sit there and meditate and be like, I want to manifest this. But I was like, it's so much more fun to put on candles and put on a hood and like yeah. Yeah. pull bells above or, you know, uh, you know, uh, like ch chant names and stuff like that. And I convince a deep part of myself that I've done whatever I need to do it. Um, well, this, this is for me is when, when I, you know, I do some magic for the joy of doing magic and I do other magic to get results. But then there's whole periods where I don't do magic to get results because I can feel that I'm already aligned and all I have to do is reach out and get that thing. 
And so it doesn't look very magical, but that's a result of previous work that like, I'm pretty sure my conscious and unconscious are pretty much in agreement that we can have that result. It's like, do I need to do a ritual? You really don't just go and get the thing. Just go and, you know, lift the weights or sell the thing or go on the holiday or whatever the thing you were, you know, trying to line up. If I get a sense that I'm aligned to it, because I know I can do magic as much as I want and I have had awesome results and I, I do have a strong belief in its efficacy, but particularly combined with action, you know, it's kind of part of my, the formula that I like. Yeah. I also realize, yeah, if something's already aligned, you don't need to do shit. It's already the thing that the magic would get you is already here because you are already congruent for the outcome, you know? Um, And so I think that's, whatever stage of the journey I'm on, that's a realization of, and then there's other magic I'm doing, which is more simply about connecting to the essence of magic. It's not trying to get me anything. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's like Qigong practice, right? Kind of yeah, thing. totally. It, it wonder, play, flow. Yeah. And that's similar and that's, to me, yeah. Like I'll start making a sigil up and then before I even go to do the ritual to load the sigil, like it's already happened. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, mm. I, I need, I, I want to do the thing. So I end up just yeah. doing ritual, I guess, to to reinstall, like to re-enliven the magic and and make me realize that I don't know everything and there is mystery and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, um, we're just getting low on time. So I just want to quickly touch on a couple couple of little things. Um, and so it kind of connects to this because, yeah, I like anyone who's listening who might be offended like about all this, you know, Lumirian princess stuff. Like I completely get it. And that's the thing as well. I want to ask you how to find that balance between it because um, I love playing, you know, the role and I love, uh, I think it's really important to add flavor and, and fun and wonder to life. But I guess when it gets out of control and you're losing like, yeah. So I guess my few questions so um, one that's personal to me at the moment is that one thing that's really holding me back at the moment is that um, I guess being a, like a cis white male in like a, you know, now like focusing on Tantra and, uh, you know, my, my whole business model is like a, a classical Tantric school and, you know, things have happened recently to kind of point uh, just like all the witch hunt stuff that's going on at the moment and, like, how do you deal with, I guess, trolls to a certain extent? But the thing is, like, I think that people need to learn more critical thinking and it leads to more of the unpacking and stuff we were talking about before. But, like, how do you deal with all the – because you're actually one of the rare people that have a sense of humour as well in that, <laughs> like, I don't know, we can – like, we can – you know, like be in mage mode or wizard mode and like do everything super serious. But then as soon as I step out of the ritual chamber, I I can make jokes about it. And I know, I know if I've just gone on tangent, but yeah, like how do you deal? Because what I'm currently dealing with, I find that I'm not wanting to be too successful or too much out there as uh, being seen because I'm worried that basically like the, the people will come come for you. They're going to cancel you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fucking very relevant, very timely uh, question, I think. And, you know, I have journeyed this stuff probably more than most people, I think. I think I've had a few rounds of semi getting cancelled or getting bad, you know, press or whatever. And, um, look, I think it's part of the initiation of leadership, you know, and I think that, it co- it's it is the primary area of shadow work of emerging leaders that you you need to to some degree 
Like, let's put it in perspective, right? Doing this kind of work in a, in a certain place or time could literally get you fucking burned at the stake or murdered or whatever. Mm. Doing it in this time and upsetting some people could get people talking about you in a Facebook group. Somehow we live in an era where the second one is scarier than the first one. It's like, oh my God, I don't want to get canceled. And it's like, what do you actually mean? Are they going to come murder you? No, they're not going to do that. Are you doing anything to get you put in jail? No, I'm not doing anything illegal. Okay, so getting canceled means what? You get a bad reputation on the internet? Is that what we're really talking about? It's like, well, that's usually what people mean, right? And I think that's where the integration work is, whether it's an existential kink or clearing or doing ritual that has you step into that thing and own it. You know, like I, it's very interesting. Like I have played with a bit of a cult leader image and brand and actually inside my containers, I've spent a lot of time trying to learn how to create containers where people are safe to express contradicting opinions, where they can ask for what they want. You know, the new thing I've just built, we've purposely designed it so no one is locked into anything. It's a pay-by-the-month thing, which I see as a counterbalance to the coaching industry's get-you-and-lock-you-down dynamics. Is like, no, no, we want everyone to be here by consent because they love it, and if they don't love it, then they are free to leave with full love, not this like, yeah, you didn't fucking do the work, fuck off kind of thing of like, hey – not everyone fits everything. It's yeah. okay. So it's just really trying to reverse engineer things that make things a bit culty. But at the same time, you know, I'm aware that some of the things that I'm doing make me a, a bit of a, like, who the fuck is this guy? You know? And like, um, I'm interested in your response to that in that, like, do you feel the best approach is to not do anything about it or, cause I just aware, like very aware of how humans work and, um, you know, even though, like, for example, even though I know that what people say isn't necessarily the truth at all or even close to it, I still notice that I'm affected by if I don't know someone the first time I meet them, I, I instantly get, like, the stories running. And even though I'm conscious of it, I can still feel it in my body running these stories. And so yeah, like, do you feel that it's important to, like, address these things publicly? Just say someone is, like, talking about you uh, you know, in creating stories, do you think it's important to say your side or like, yeah, I'm just interested in the approach. I guess for me, it's like, what actions do I need to take to make sure that I have the best possible chance of like not being misunderstood and not being misrepresented? Oh, give that shit up. You're going to be misunderstood. <laughs> like, you know, you're teaching tantra and magic and whatnot. 99% of the planet is not going to understand what you're doing. Like, wow, yeah. I would have, how the fuck would they? Um, you know, this, this is, this is where I love Crowley. This is where I go back and this guy was doing what, when in Victorian England, how did this guy not get fucking put in jail? It's like, <laughs> I actually think because he owned that persona so strongly, people just were fucking either terrified in awe on a pedestal. And like it largely, was an act it largely was just stepping all the way into a character type. Not all in, I'm not even saying in necessarily healthy ways as well. Like, but what I've noticed is, well, here's, here's an underlying principle for me. Everyone is dealing with their own projections all the fucking time. So there's people that fucking hate me and they don't really know very much about me, you know? And it's like, 
and I and I know full well what sort of archetypal territory I've stepped into, what I'm representing to people. And it's like, well, yeah, you you haven't dealt with that. It's not my job to come and make you fix it. It's not up to I don't own the internet. If someone's going to write some fucking shit about me, what I unless it's unless it's and there's levels like touch wood. Like I also don't. I, I'm saying this very casually. I also don't enjoy that shit. I'll be clear. Like I'm still a person. I don't really like reading some negative thing about myself. But I mean, there is no one, and I mean no one, that has any level of public exposure that hasn't had to deal with this. And the the bigger you go, one of the things I learned from John Demartini was whatever level of praise you want, you need to be okay with the equivalent level of blame. Mm. If you want 100,000 people to love you, well, accept that 100,000 other people will probably hate you with equal intensity. And if you can accept, you know, this is the non-dual, right? If you can accept that whole spectrum, you get to have that impact on 200,000 people. You want to go bigger? Well, you better be okay with accepting more blame and more praise and realizing that they're both, they're both like distorted perceptions. And what's the reality? The reality is I'm a person sitting here eating my toast and someone's writing about me like I'm the antichrist and I eat babies or whatever. And it's like, what did I even do? Oh, you don't like the tone of my marketing. You think that, you know, yeah, and see, that's okay. what I'm still like, really working on, like, the frustration because, like, even even not just me, like, for example, with your stuff, like, I've never met you in person, but I've, like, done quite a few of your programs now. Um, and even, like, I remember once, like, uh, where I saw you were creating, like, a magic school and it triggered something in me because it was similar to what I was doing. But I, I messaged you and, like, I, I think I was quite frustrated. And you you'd so calmly, like, so gracefully just, like, hey, bro, like, I see where you're coming from and, like, I think those are the kind of interactions where I realize the difference in people where like people think, you know, you're like this like evil dark wizard, you know, causing stuff. Whereas like you seem to me one of the most like compassionate together humans and even in situations where it could like, I don't know. Yeah. Whereas like a lot of people are the opposite, but they're the ones it's just, it frustrates me sometimes. And I, I guess I just, I have trouble letting it's, that shit go. Like, to be honest, I, I think it's, and I, and again, I haven't, I don't feel that I live this 100%, but it's increased year on year by year. Um, I think it's about realizing it's all a game. Like all the way through, you know, not just social media is a game. Fucking life is a game. Mm. You know, if you're really going to live this tantric, like Leela, right? The, the play, it's a play. If, if you really want to live this philosophy of like, okay, I'm incarnated. I am consciousness in a body experiencing existence. Well, how is that not a game? It makes me think of, um, you know, Rick and Morty where they play that game where it's like, uh, you go and live the life of the person and it's like, you know, um, and Morty does it like seriously. And Rick just goes off script and he's just running wild <laughs> because he knows he's in a simulator. So he just does whatever the fuck he wants, you know, yeah. Morty, like, He's like, whoa, you went back to the carpet store after you recovered from cancer, Morty? Oof. And it's like, you know, 60 years and he's worked in this furniture store for 40 years of it in the simulation. Meanwhile, like, they're like, whoa, Rick's just taking Mike off grid. He's gone wild. I've never seen anyone do that before. And it's like, yeah, that person knows they're in simulation and mm-hmm. you can tell. And so I feel like if we're talking magic, if we're talking tantra, if we're talking any of this stuff, like – how much are we actually prepared to live it? Like I, I've seen people in the mystery school world and they, all they talk about is dying and put your ego on the altar. But when someone comes up to something that they're attached to, it's super fucking triggered and reactive about it. It's like, hang on a minute. You taught me 
the idea that we just offer it all up and that life will take us. And, but then, but not except over here, you know, and it's like, well, no, like if we're going to play this game, let's play it all out and let's, and also have some compassion because most people, and I don't mean this in some matrixy red pill kind of way, but most people are still living in reactive survival based stuff. So whether it's the angry online feminist or whether it's the fucking conspiracy, the conspiracy people do not like me because I've every six months I do some post about there's no conspiracies. It's all fucking fear-based shit, which is not entirely what I believe. They get so upset, you know, and they say that I'm like a government shill or whatever. And I'm just like, what, what about me thinks you think that I'm like in alignment with the government? It's, we've got to see it as a game and accept that 80% of the people are deeply entrenched in their own reactivity and I, you, I guess, gotta treat, you know, they're it's pe- most people are spiritually children. And so we've yeah. got to be gentle with them. I guess that, yeah, the issue there for me is that I think we are in like the game that we're playing is all one big sandbox and that like, you know, no one, there's actually no rules to the game. It's like, whoever is the loudest, that's the game we're playing. But like a lot of people think that, yeah, there is actually like a set game. There's like ways to win, ways to lose. There's a, there's the good guys and the bad guys. And I, I see where they're coming from and I have compassion for that. And I guess the, ju- the non-dualist part of me is like, I see where you're coming from, but if you could just like come over here and like, we could just like right. chat, I could show you that like, but then they just like refuse to. And especially with modern communication with social media and stuff, it just, it's polarizing. It's based on yeah. polarity, you know? Whereas for me, I'm honestly not that entrenched in trying to get someone to change their position. I, they're fully entitled to their position. I, I think it's that, um, I've referenced Crowley a lot in this article, but in this article, in this conversation, but like he's, this idea that like our job is to live our will and we should leave other people's will the fuck alone. I, that's one part that I, of his, that I'm like, I'm fucking all about that. It's like, if you're all about chastising people on the internet, have, that sounds like a great life. Have the best time, you know? Meanwhile, I'm going to do another conversation like this about stuff that I like. I make money. I date people that I like. I pursue interests that fulfill me. I hang out with awesome people. I'm fucking winning, man. And it's, and it's largely because I focus 99.9999% on what I like and where I want to go. And sometimes things piss me off and bum me out, but my, my refractory period is gotten real quick. <sighs> okay. Next. It's just like, what's the main tool that you find helps with that, that like you would give, you know, cause I think a lot of people I, like are struggling with it in this modern world, like afraid of getting too big because they don't want to deal with the with the stuff behind it. Yeah, but it's like, let's flip. One is I work a lot with my vision. You know, I've been doing this for years and it, it didn't have an instant impact when I started. It was very, I had a minimal obvious impact, but I think over a decade plus it's compounded where most days, definitely each week I'm reading over what I've written for myself for this year occasionally flashing five years or 10 years ahead, but I'm reviewing constantly the month, the quarter of the year. And I, and I vision and I sit with that and I'm like, okay. And I feel into like, am I still on track for that? Do I still feel good about that? That's my primary North star. That's what I'd care about. Even if I touch wood got locked in jail tomorrow, I'd be like, okay, what can I achieve from here? What do I want from here? Well, I can probably get good at meditation and fucking push ups, you know, 
<laughs> my my range has been reduced, but within that, what can I what can I live? You know. So from this life, which is pretty good and pretty expansive, I'm mostly trying to focus on where I want to go and what I like and being grateful for it and getting after it and all that sort of stuff. But I also like to flip things a bit quantum and go like, okay, so there's this big fear that what you do some unnamed thing. So it's it helpful. It's helpful to work with fears and shadows as well and look at, okay, so what's this thing that you're afraid is going to happen? What you get, you know, you suddenly are 10 X, you have 10 X more followers and suddenly you get canceled for something. What does that specifically mean? What does cancel mean? Can you run through that and look at how you, if that actually happened tomorrow, when the situation came to you, you would actually deal with it. You know, it's the same as like, I don't want to get cancer, but if I fucking get cancer, the day that I find out, I'm sure I'll be bummed out, but then I will gradually adjust and start going, okay, well, this is what it is. What are we going to do? How do we want to do this? The thing that I think is important is not only do I focus on the thing that I want, but I like to look at the reversals, you know, the fears, what, what are the fears that are in the way and get to know them and get to meet them and feelings like, well, if that happened, what would I do? Because everything, there's heaps of things that I have feared that have happened. And on mm. the day they happened or the day after they happened, it's like, eh, that's not as bad as how I thought it was, you know? That's one side. The other side is to reverse it all around and look at the cost of not doing. Like, it, let's say you want to build an online influential presence and you really would like that, but you're holding back because you're scared of getting criticized or attacked. The real cost here is not, you know, the, the biggest risk for most people is they're not going to do what they want to do. That's the biggest risk. It's not that some hate mob is going to destroy them. It's that they're not going to reach their goals. They're not going to live their dreams. That is a much scarier risk if you give it adequate attention than, yeah, what if some people online that I don't know make my life difficult by waging some fucking bullying campaign against me? Like that could happen, but I would be much more scared of being 80 and going, you know, I really held back. Fuck. Yeah. I had some shit I wanted to say. I had some shit I wanted to create. And I feel like I only did 10% of it. And I, and now that now that time is running out, I actually feel pretty shitty about that. I don't think I'd be there 80 going, fuck, I wish that when I was 43, those people didn't bully me for that whole week, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, for that whole two weeks of my life where they called me names and I was worried I was going to lose my livelihood and then it basically went away. That won't be the memory. The memory will be, fuck, I played it safe. Mm. So I'd, I would put more focus on that as a valid fear than this nebulous thing of like they, the internet Karens, are going to come to me and like, and what are they, what are they going to do? Like I, I know absolutely awful people who are on the internet that are massive that have done much more egregious things than me and they're Andrew Tate's kicking ass. I mean, he's in jail, but like, you know, <laughs> He got, he's got cancelled for now, but his, his internet reach hasn't gone down. It's probably gone up, you know. Is, he even, is it even real? I don't fucking know. But, like, I know that um, that's not the thing I'm mostly worried about. And, and I'm also, it's still a thing. I have worried about it. Every now and then something arcs up and I'm like, oh, is this going to be the time? But it's like, what for? You said a weird thing. You, you put out a picture of Baphomet with your head on it. Nobody cares that much. They don't care that much. 
Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I really like what you said about the opposite of like actually like making the other pain point worse in not achieving it. So that that really like lands for me. And I guess as well, like it's probably, you know, it helps with what you're doing with the esoteric entrepreneur as well because I think what I like notice more than ever because I've been kind of doing my own thing for the last like six or seven years. Like I don't have coworkers. When I used to work in sales, if I'd have a shitty day, I'd go home yeah. to like, other people like, oh, I had this guy and he was a dick. And like, oh yeah, I had this person. It like felt that camaraderie um, and I felt like backed up. Um, whereas like, I feel like, you know, I'm starting to try to get people on board and stuff and build a team. But yeah, it feels like very lonely on this kind of path. And I feel like yeah. I'm the only one going through this kind of thing. But I guess being in some of your containers, it's made me even just just feel that this isn't such a big thing. Like this- There's many others doing the same journey, have similar fears, similar obstacles. You know, that's a big part of what I'm sort of touting with the esoteric entrepreneur beyond like, we'll teach you how to do this stuff and we'll do this. It's like also having a community of people that are on the same path that are all cheering you on. Because if you're an entrepreneur in spiritual circles, at least half of your circle doesn't give a shit about your mm. business aspiration, even not 80%. And even if they think it's cool, they probably aren't on the same path and they're definitely not, they're not going to cheer for you doing a 20 grand month. That's, that's not their world. Whereas like being in an environment where I've had that has really helped me go like, oh, like you guys want me to do better. That's amazing. Versus like people who are like, oh, it's a bit weird. Why are you, why are you trying to be big? You know, it's, it's it, because it's like, you know, people could go on the spiritual journey was like a black sheep thing. They have to go and find their spiritual community. Entrepreneurs from the spiritual community need to do that again because your spiritual non-entrepreneurial friends, then they're, they're not going to help you. They, they can't. It's not their fault, but they don't really understand what you're going to have to go through. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. Thank you, bro. That we've got gone a bit over time, but yeah that helped me a lot in a lot of the questions I want to ask. And yeah, I think it was some really good topics we touched on. And um, yeah, if you, do you want to speak a little bit more into the esoteric entrepreneur before we go? Um, yeah. Yeah. love to. So it's my new thing after a year and a half of running um, launches and eight week containers and doing a bit of research and finessing things. I've decided to open a container that will run for three years. It's just starting right now. Um, people can join for as long or as short as they want. It's a month-by-month -month membership. We recommend people come for three months or 12 months, like an actual amount of time. But the structure is such that every month we drop new teachings, we run rituals, we do self-pleasure and sex magic every Sunday. And it's essentially a cross between a mystery school and a business mastermind. So some of it is on the exoteric, on the getting stuff done, on the achieving, on the building – and some of it is on the inner work. Uh, we work with the moon cycle. We work with daily planetary alignment stuff. Um, we work with the middle pillar. Uh, we work with some cool esoteric stuff and a lot of sort of master planning and design stuff and accountability. But we also teach all kind. I've got a faculty of eight people ranging from embodiment, ritual magic, sexuality, marketing, regular business, uh, tech support. Like we've got the whole thing built in. And I here is it's a place that if you're a spiritual entrepreneur anywhere on the journey, just if you're a spiritual entrepreneur with a drive to have an impact, you can come be part of this and it's going to, at the minimum, save you a lot of time. Like, you know, if you're driven, you'll get where you want to go eventually, but I reckon I can shorten your journey by three or five years because we've brought in everything we can 
and also just teaching people how to self-source, how to self-source power, how to be connected to their purpose, how to work with the ebb and flow. So when it's not a culture of like hustle, hustle, hustle 24-7, it's it's like a culture of hustle, hustle, hustle while we're at the full moon and then relax a little as we come back down again and, you know, be cyclic like nature. Yeah. So it's not sit on your ass and do nothing. It's not work your ass off. It's like find your own ebb and flow that is natural to your cycle. And the the sense is when you get your inner and your outer aligned, it's a lot easier. Mm. Yeah, cool. Thanks for sharing that, bro. Yeah, I'm really interested to see see how it all unravels. Yeah, we have our um, opening ritual on the new moon on Sunday and then I'm teaching a bunch of stuff on uh, planning and packaging and how to, you know, so we rotate through three subjects, money, magic, and mastery. So every month we rotate through one of those and first one is money and we're doing how to package for the year and how to make the money you want and then we'll switch more into like sigil magic, that kind of stuff and we just move through the year with different cool things that I think what I want to do is build a culture of spiritual entrepreneurs that are powerful at creating what they want. Yeah. And doing, I guess the things like from what I've seen in your containers is like, yeah, doing the things that are uncomfortable and not just um, the things yeah. that you're doing. Cause then you're not really growing and evolving if you're doing the same shit. So yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome, bro. Well, yeah. Thank you again for like taking time to, to come on here and um, yeah, didn't get through all the questions I wanted to ask you, but uh, you know, <laughs> it leaves an opening for, for bring me back. I love the subjects. I really appreciate it. I like talking on these subjects. It's really fun. Sweet. Uh, is there any, any last little uh, dark wizard uh, with wisdom you wanted to leave the podcast with? Not really. I mean, come find me on Instagram. That's a good portal into my world. It's Dane.Thomas, no H and Thomas. And I just think it's like the real thing is it's okay to be you. That's really what I want people to get from me. It's like it's okay to find your own weird and wonderful way of doing this life and you know it's not like fuck everyone else like in an aggressive way but it's like don't worry about what other people are doing and saying like like we all know deep down what we are here to do and what we are or at least we know what we're lit up by you know and it's usually that we're getting confused by the other voices around us whether that's personal or on the internet or whatever and I feel like it's just about permission of like whatever it is you are lit up by, you get to do that. Like it's your life. You can do whatever you want. All right. Well, till next time, man. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you for listening to and being a part of this episode of Make Yoga Magic Again, the House of Majors podcast. I've been your host, Daniel Arulian Cumming. A massive thank you to Dane Thomas for joining me again. And if you would like to find anything we mentioned in this episode or more of what either of us do, you can find it below on the show notes or at houseofmages.com. Thank you again. See you next time and make yoga magic again.